Praise the Lord. I tell you, we should never take for granted the, the, the persons God brings into the house. Amen. Praise God. We are blessed. We are blessed. You need to let these guys know as much as possible how much you love and appreciate. Yeah, come on. Come on. Andrew and I would like to say thank you for all of the love and the cards and the blessings and the goodies that you brought last week for our 10-year anniversary. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're here for the first time, uh, let me tell you, you just stepped into the greatest church in this entire region. Amen? And so we appreciate you being here. Now, uh, Andrew's going to come at the end and give our announcements, but uh, before she does, uh, there's, the Lord has blessed us. Uh, we were able to go out. Did you guys pull up that, Jerry? I'm I'm putting you on the spot. Can you pull up that 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 photo of the van? All right, all right. <coughs> we were able. You would you're you'd be amazed at how high demand these <laughs> these vans are. Uh, we looked for months and months and months, and God uh, blessed us with with one that is in mint condition, and it is a used van. I've uh, got it well below the 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 cost uh, the the average market. And we just want to thank God. We want to thank Him because this is for the service of His kingdom, and it's paid for. There's no note. There's no debt. It's it's paid for completely. We were able to bless Amigos de Fe in Mexico with the with our oldest van. We took it down to Houston. They're going to transport it over to Mexico, and it's going to continue to be used for the kingdom. But could you just ask? Let's just pray a blessing over this. That it's already been in use. It's going to be in use continually. Father, we just want to thank you for your blessing. Lord, we just ask for the anointing, Lord God, to rest upon this vehicle. Lord God, we can continue, Lord God, to bring, Lord, individuals to the house. Lord, as we, as our ministry groups use it as they travel, I pray for mercy, Father God, to be upon them. I pray, Father God, that you would just continue, Lord God, to bless. And let this be another instrument for the furtherance of your kingdom. And God, we are grateful today for what you're doing and continue to do. Now pray with me over the message. Father, in the name of the Lord God, I just pray for liberation in this house. I pray, God, for freedom. Lord, as we step, God, into what we feel is your heart, I pray, my God, that, Lord, there will be a transformation in the house, that, Lord, people will come to know who they are in you and who you are in them. And, Lord, we give you the praise and the honor and the glory. And everybody said amen. 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 I want you to look. I want you to look uh, here. I like that. Can I have another one of those whoops? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Mark 10, 46. I want you to look here, Mark 10, 46. So we're starting a series today called Freedom. Because I believe it is for freedom he has set us free. I believe it's the purpose that God's desire for us to have freedom. And what better day to start but on a Independence Day weekend. Amen? So as we look here, Mark 10. Mark 10. Now they came to Jericho, speaking of Jesus and the disciples. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, comma, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging, verse 47 of Mark 10. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Oh, I'm longing for the day when they hear that Jesus is in the house. And they start crying out, Lo, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. <laughs> but he cried out all the more. Tell me to shut up. Son of David, have mercy on me. You know, until you get into that place where you are so desperate for God that you don't really care what everybody else is saying. You're just saying, I've got to have a touch from the Lord. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. Verse 50. And throwing aside his garment, he rose, came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Interesting question, isn't it? We, the, the Lord's not always presumptuous. <laughs> you know, we think, well, you know, they're, 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 they have an infirmity. Sure, God wants to heal them, but that's not the question of the Lord. What do you want? What are you asking of me? And he said, the blind man said, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight. What did he do? He followed Jesus. How many receive their sight but they don't follow Jesus? How many get the revelation of what Christ has done but they don't actually step into that life of following Jesus? Now I want you to look at Galatians 2, verses 20 and 21. And as we go, we'll tie these in together. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God. He loved me, gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Now today, we see that we're celebrating the 4th of July. Little American history, we see that there are 13 independent colonies that, that were established, and there was a declaration of independence that was adopted by the Continental Congress on July 4th, 1776. American colonies severed their political connection to Great Britain. Said, we are severing this. And then on September the 9th of that same year, 1776, on that day, they named the United States of America became official. And the Second Continental Congress adopted the name for what had been called United Colonies is now a new identity. They're not the colonies. They're not under British rule anymore. We have declared, and if it, if it requires a battle, we're going to fight for it. But we have a new identity because we severed the old identity. We have severed the old identity, and we're stepping into a new identity. And you understand the lives that were lost in order to accomplish that in order for that to take place. Now, in our country today, we have these 
hateful little thieves. They get on the internet. They get on the uh, uh, the they they get there and they steal people's identity. It's an identity theft fraud. The Federal Trade Commission has received 5.7 million total fraud cases, 1.4 million of which was identity theft. That comes up on an average yearly basis. There's money in identity theft. $10.2 billion in losses due to identity theft. Identity fraud is when you take someone else's identity and you assume their their, their identity, their, all of their data, their information, and you go and you do fraudulent things, and you, you, you go out and you acquire debt on their behalf. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> I got a call from a credit card company one day, and they said, uh, have you been in China? I said, no. I said, well, somebody is using your identity. And I said, well, it ain't me. <laughs> I, it's on my bucket list to go, but not today. <laughs> uh, but they, they, they took care of it, and I, I appreciated that. But we see that there's identity theft. And so what is the definition of identity? And this is just a textbook definition of identity. And you think, why are you talking about identity? You're going to know in just a second. <laughs> identity is the qualities, the beliefs, the personality traits, the appearance, and or expressions that characterize a person. Identity is distinguished character the personality of an individual, it's the individuality. What caught my eye there is identity is based in belief, in beliefs. I submit to you today that liberation begins with identification. Because I'm going to behave in the manner in which I believe. Behavior is the direct result of my belief system. What I believe God believes about me. What I believe that the Word says about me. What I believe that I can do according to what the Word tells me I can do. I asked them Wednesday night, and I'm asking you the question. They know the setup, so be careful. The Word of the Lord, do you believe God's Word? The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you believe that? Do you emphatically believe that? It's not the question we need to ask is, do I believe I can? Will I do all things through Christ who strengthens me? Will I do it? Will I put it into practice? I hope to show you this morning as we look at blind Bartimaeus here. It's funny, even after we still know him today, some 2,000 years later, we still call him blind Bartimaeus. <laughs> I thought, Lord, why do we still refer to him as blind Bartimaeus? He said, don't take that away from him. <laughs> because once he was blind, but now he sees. <laughs> it's a testimony. 
It's a testimony. You're going to get a chance to testify here at the end of this month, and Andrew's going to tell you about it here in just a little bit. But, you know, they overcame him by the, word of the, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Amen? Sometimes you just need to profess what God has done for you. <laughs> they don't refer to me as drug addict Mike Sanders anymore. <laughs> But there was some in the crowd that would look over, Dennis, you know what I'm talking about? And say, you know, hey, look, there was old, there's old druggy Sanders over there, but something's happened to him. He's not a druggie anymore. Here's blind Bartimaeus. I'm sure when he was born, they did not rec- I don't, they, we don't know where his blindness came. We don't know if it was an illness, a fever, if he was born blind. But he was named after his father. Barta. Bar, bar means son, Timaeus means, let me get my, no, it's more than that. Hold on, mama. Son, I'm getting close. I've got to find my definition. I got it in my, hold on. Means highly prized, highly prized. So there was, even when he came into the world, it's like, look, you're my son. You've got great aspirations for your life. Somewhere along the way, we find Bartimaeus, and he is now blind. Whether he was born blind, we don't know. But what we see, according to the Word of God, is that he is found in the street outside the the city of Jericho, and he is occupying a space on the side of the road towards the the entrance of the gate. We're assuming because that's what he says the Lord was leaving Jericho, And we find him sitting there, and he is begging. He's begging. Now, what brought him to that place, we don't know. How did he get there, we don't fully understand. We don't see mom and daddy. We don't see what's going on. But now he has an identity, and that identity is the beggar, blind Bartimaeus. Now, before we get to blind Bartimaeus, I just want to share some things with you, and, and I'll let the, the counselors correct all that I mess up here after service, but there is a psychologist named Eric Erickson. Clayton, you've heard of him. Holler at me. Eric Erickson. He was, uh, who, who has ever heard of Eric Erickson? That doesn't really matter, but, but you've said, you've seen there, where he, see, he, he lays out that there are eight stages of life. Eight stages of life that we go through. Now, he was, his mother was Jew. His father was from, from Denmark. He, he left Austria at the time that Adolf Hitler began to arise, and, and they moved to Copenhagen. And he eventually made it over to the States. He became a Christian after he got married. And so he writes down a theory of the eight stages of life. It's interesting. Take a moment to look at that when you get an opportunity. But the, we go through five of those stages under the age of 18. And then the last three are throughout the remainder of our life. You're saying, what are these stages? I, I don't want to brutalize or take too much time here. But in, in stage one is, is when you're one years of age, you learn to trust or mistrust depending on the care that takes place. You see some people and say, why can't they trust? Everything that's given to them, they just can't trust. Maybe it was in the formidable years that they lost trust. He calls his theory number two, stage two, comes at the two-year-old. You ever heard of the terrible twos? 
Well, see, the terrible twos is the reason because the children are now trying to, no, no, they're trying to show independence. They're trying to separate. They're trying to, they're starting to walk. They're starting to talk. They're starting to, they're starting to move about. And <laughs> uh, Juniper, our little two-year-old, almost two-year-old granddaughter the other day, she was at the house, and I was standing in the pantry, and she's trying to close the door, and she looks up at me, and she says, Pops, back up. <laughs> She's discovered her independence. <laughs> so it's, there's a natural progression that takes place. And then we see, in, in, and I'm going somewhere with this, then in, in ages 3 to 5, there is initiative. And then in 6 to 12, there's industry. They're, they're learning competence and what they're capable of doing. But what is most interesting to me is from the ages of 12 to 18 is where they start to form their identity. Let me tell you, youth ministry is a vitally important ministry today. Identity. What happens in identity, they start asking the questions, who am I? Who do I want to be? And so they will take success and failures from birth to 12 to 18, compare that to where they're at to decide where they're going to go. So they formulate their identity according to how they process those events. Then you have the last three phases, stages of development and early adulthood where you learn to love or to isolate and and it goes on through the time of death. But what we see in this is that there has been a major disruption in the area of identity with our children. What is the enemy doing with the floodgate of social media pouring into the hearts and the lives of our kids? See, because they're going to decide depending upon their, their, their house structure decide whether or not they're going to cling to their peer group or their, when he wrote this, there was no such thing as a social media to the magnitude in which we see it. We see that the floodgates begin to pour in and now they're being declared, you are this and not that, you are that and not this. And so we have a robbery, a crisis where it has infiltrated the hearts and minds of a generation and they are told certain things that are not true because they have not received what is true. But folks, let me say to you, in all of that, there's one thing that's not included in here and that is but God. But God. Amen. And, and I can see as I was looking at that study and I was seeing uh, in my stages of development and and, and, and those different types of things, but I can say to you, but God, but God changes everything. Because I am no longer who I was. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And now the life I'm living, it's not my own, but it's also a life that I live in faith. Faith to God. But let me say to the young people today, I see you as a Eutychus generation. Eutychus was sitting in the window when Paul was preaching, and he fell. 
Paul didn't just throw him out. No, he picked him up and he brought him back and he set him down. You have a place at the table. God wants to use you. We're going to make room for the young people because they, have an, they are, were born into a world they didn't create. And it's time we stop pointing the finger at them and saying it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault, and it's not their fault. They're not the ones that laid down the... They didn't lay down the prayer. They didn't lay down the word. They didn't lay down the education system. They just stepped into it. And it's time that we take it back to the power of prayer, praise, and the purpose of God. Amen? Now hear me. So we got this identification crisis that's going on in our land. It's going on in the world. It is a hellish divide. In the formidable years, the enemy wants to come in and he wants to disrupt the family unit. He wants to destroy he wants to take moms out of the pictures. He wants to take dad out of the pictures. He, he's wanting uh, uh, social media to tell uh, our, our youth who they are. And he wants that to carry on into adulthood. And he wants to, he wants to stagnate uh, and destroy. But let me tell you, the enemy may come to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life uh, and give it more abundantly. Amen? Now, this is what I want to commission you to do, and this started in this started way before prayer breakfast yesterday morning, but there was something happened in prayer breakfast yesterday morning. I'm going to commission our church to begin to pray from, from early infancy and those yet to be born all the way through adulthood. You are commissioned to pray for this generation. You are commissioned as a body of Christ to begin to lift up and begin to call out and begin to preach and begin to teach and use all of your resources to reach this lost generation because God is raising up a generation that will praise him. He's raising up a generation that will know who they are. So you're looking here. Let's see what happens is that many times in our formidable years, the love, the trust, the safety, the genuineness, something happened along the way we lose out on our identity. So we have a hard time letting the next generation know what their identity is because we don't know. But let me say to you, liberation begins with identification. When you discover who you are and whose you are, you'll know what you need to be about. And you'll know what you stand for and you'll know what to stand against. You will know. Now, I, I told you this already. It doesn't matter where you're at in your level of the journey. God can start where you're at, and he can move forward with you. <laughs> but he's not going to go without you. <laughs> he's not going to fix it unless you step into the, into the line and say, oh, I, this is who I am. And so it's going to take a little bit of faith on your part. It's going to take faith on your part. Now, let me just say, and faithfulness, that's included in faith. But let me say to you today, some of you in this house right now, don't take these words as absolute in maybe in your situation on this basis. Your heart has been shattered. Your world has been rocked. And you're in the process of healing right now. That is a process. It's not an event. It can be an event. God can just reach down and touch and miraculously in a moment transform a life that they're completely healed. 
But there's times where you walk through on the journey. And when you're walking through on the journey, you're just holding on to the hand of God. You're just believing one day at a time. You're just giving all you got. You just got up and all you can do today is breathe. And tomorrow you might get up and all you can do is breathe. But there's coming a day where you're going to start moving your feet again. And your hands are going to go up. And you're going to be healed. And you're going to be whole. And God's going to use it for his glory. Because you're a child of God. Let's go back to Bartimaeus. This highly favored in Christ. We find him. He's there. Sitting there. And he's got this wonderful, wonderful garment. Some translations call it a cloak. It's his right to beg. He has license. He's got the city permit. He can can sit there and he's been issued this garment that identifies him as a person who has the right to beg. He's sitting there another day, hopefully another dollar. He doesn't know. He lives on the benevolence of others. He doesn't know. You know, he just, he's just hoping. I don't know where mom and dad are at. I don't know if he has a house to sleep in. I don't know if he sleeps there where he's, where he's begging. I don't know these things. Bible doesn't tell us. He's just there. All we know is he's got a garment. He's got the right to be there. He is a legitimate beggar. He's a legitimate blind person who has the right to beg. So he's sitting there, Jericho, this city, Jericho, this stronghold, this, this gateway to the place of promise. But he's there living in the midst, and, and it, the city had been, been taken over by Israel a long, long time ago. But, but now he, he, maybe he doesn't see or feel that he's blessed as a covenant nation. He's just sitting there begging at the street, hoping that somebody will put something in his hand that he can convert to food or give him food. He's just there. But somewhere along the way, someone brought a, a whisper, a story. He's, his senses have been, a, have been acutely honed in. and He's listened, maybe overheard some conversations somewhere along the way. What, what, Jesus? Where's this Jesus? He's from Nazareth? No way. Does anything good come from Nazareth? That's what, I don't know. But he heard that Jesus raised the dead. He's healed people. He, he, there's John 9, he healed a man who was born blind. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. You telling me that Jesus can heal the blind? Wow. He's sitting there. And oh, what a day. Crowd, multitudes come passing by. Hey, man, hey, what's going on? What's going on today? Hey, hey, what's, tell me what's going on. He said, Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, it just passed by you. Woo! Jesus! Jesus! Big Jesus, Jesus, where you at, Jesus? Shh, you got to be quiet. I ain't being quiet, this is my chance. This may be my one and only chance. You don't tell me to be quiet. You hadn't sat here as long as I sat here. You hadn't wore this long as I wore it. There's been too many days. I have gone hungry. I am not going to stay here as long as hope is in the vicinity. 
Jesus! What? What? He wants, he wants me to go to him? It's fine with me. Jesus! Jesus! Jesus. What do I want? Well, I want a million dollars. I want a new coat. I want a car. Lord, I want to see. I want to see. Oh, Lord, would you give me my sight that I may see? And the Lord touches him. And he opens his eyes. And he sees the most beautiful person he's ever seen in all of his life. He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. So the first thing he does is he gets up. And he goes back. And he gets his beggar's coat. And he puts it back on. He picks up his, his stick. Your Bible doesn't read that one? Said he won't. He's following. Well, yeah, he's following. He's following. Why? He don't need that. Why not? You mean he doesn't need that stick no more? You tell me you can put that down? But I, I still got this right to beg. Why does he need it? You're not blind. So you can't identify with what God has brought you out of. And as ludicrous... As it is for him to carry around a cloak that says, I'm still blind when he can see, is just as ludicrous as us walking around saying, I'm a victim when I've been set free. Wait a minute. You're getting too close to my, my, my garden. <laughs> see, because as long as he wore that cloak and he couldn't see, he didn't have any responsibility in the world other than just a handout for the benevolence. But it was, a, it was a, a, a social thing that took place so that he would not starve to death. And he had the right to do that. And yes, we are to help and to, and to encourage. And we are to do our part to help and have compassion upon others that they can't do for themselves. It is a natural, moral thing that God puts in our heart. But once you come out of that, give that to somebody else. Because you don't need it no more. Now my question for the house of God is this. Is there an identity crisis in your life where somebody has stolen your heirship of the kingdom of God and is making and acquiring debt in your name? Costing billions and billions and billions, not of money, but of souls, because you're still walking around with a person who can see and you're living like a blind man. Liberation comes with identification. I ain't who I was. 
not a victim anymore. Why do I want to act like a victim? Why do I want to walk in a room and care what people have to say about me? All I care is what God says about me. Amen? I'm not walking in an arrogance and a boast. I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. Oh, but wait a minute. We work really, really, really hard on this garment, Mike. We work really, really, really hard on this garment. I started when you were one years of age. I showed you that you couldn't be trusted. Go and put that thing back on. I showed you that every time that you tried to do something, I've just pushed you right back down. Oh, I showed you. I showed you in your formidable years how, how with the overwhelming uh, uh, beratement and barragement of all the physical verbal abuse uh, and I'm forming you. I'm setting your identity. You're a victim. You can't. But wait just a minute. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But it's not me who lives. It's Christ that lives in me. Now I live by the faith of the one. You see how, wait a minute, I can't, just as crazy as it would be for Bartimaeus to keep walking around with that stick, he don't need that stick no more. Why? Because he's got sight. He can see. What happens when you come into the kingdom of God? You get a glimpse and you start seeing what you couldn't see before. <laughs> you start seeing what you couldn't see before. That word faith there, pistis. P-I-S-T-I-S. Pistis. I'm pistol. Pistis. I got it in me. It's faith. It's Greek. Come on. It means faith, belief, trust, faithfulness. It means an inrock persuasion. I've been persuaded. You gotta love this. You gonna love this. Pistis, faith. It's always a gift from God. Never something that can be produced by people. The faith to get to God didn't even start with you. It was given to you as a gift. Every man's been given a measure of faith. It's always received from God and never generated from us. This is straight out of the lexicon. In short, it's the God's divine persuasion. It is... As one said, faith is the divine response wrought in man by God. Faith is the divinely given conviction of things unseen. Faith is the origin which enables people to see the invisible order. I, I can see. But see, Jesus declared over Bartimaeus when he came. First off, Bartimaeus, see, the Lord, we, it wasn't cruelty because... He wanted him to come to him. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to leave where you're at to get to where you need to be. <laughs> it's, it's time you stop sitting in that place of familiarity. 
where, where you know, hey, I, I know this rock, and I know that, hey, hey, man, get out of my seat there, because I, I've, got a, I've got a little indention in the sand. That's where I sit. I, I've, I've carved it out over years, and, and see that, that, that little place in the rock there? That's where my elbow has sat for the last 25, 30 years. I need you to get out of my spot. Jesus said, no, I need you to get out of your spot and get over here. I need you to get out of the familiar and get to the place of, of the miraculous. And How are you going to do it? I can't find my way, but somebody had to lead the way. My God, church, don't you see us in the portrait? Somebody had to get, get to Bartimaeus over to Jesus. Jesus. There was some disciple in the crowd. Peter, quit hushing him up and go get him. Quit telling him he can't and get over here and watch what I can do. Go get the boy. He's calling out. Bring him over here. You got to get out of where you're at to get to. Whoa, it's new identity. It's new identity. It's new identity. I'm not walking as a victim anymore. I'm not an abused child anymore. That's not who I am. I'm getting up out of that familiar territory and I'm going with the gift God has given me, and that is to believe that He can do all things. And I will do all things through Him. So He takes the, the coat off and He makes His way over there. What do you want? I want to see. I want to see what I couldn't see before. I want to see who you want me to be. I want to see where you want to go. Because if I stay in the dark, I'm not getting much further than that spot right there. I can only go so far. See, the devil comes along and he clouds our vision through our hurt and our pain and our shame. And he keeps us there. He keeps us in those dark corridors of self. And all we can see are the walls of self. But oh, there's a light that starts shining in. Jesus. When Jesus steps in, he calls us out of that place. Come on, son, get out of that childhood abuse and come over here. Come on, son, get out of that, get out of that grief and that come on, come over here. Come on, come on. I know you failed. You failed every time you tried to do it without me. Come on. I, I get out of that failure. Get out of that failure. Come on. I, I won't hold it against you, but I, I want you out of that over here. Get up out of that place. I know you, you've done it and you fell back into it and into it and into it, but I'm going to give you the ability not to fall back into it. Just come on. Get, get up out of that shame. Come on. Get up out of that hurt. Come on. I know they did you wrong. They might have done me wrong too. Come on. Gets him up and he brings him over. What do you want? I want to see. I want to see what you see. He said, your faith that God gave him to begin with made you whole, made you well. That word can also be translated saved. That word is sozo. Sozo. Sozo is the reason why Jesus came to the world. Sozo means literally to save, to heal, to deliver, to set free. But it means more than that. That's included in it. But it's not just a, I'm bringing you out of that place of destruction but I'm also going to bring you in to a place of safety. 
I not just brought you out of that. I'm going to bring you out of that identity, and I'm going to bring you into a new identity. I'm going to bring you out of the hurt, and I'm going to bring you into a safe place of healing where it's not just something that you fake and you try to fake the fullness. I'm going to fill you up, and you're going to know that you are full. You're not going to have to put on this facade that you take off in one crowd and put on in another. You're just going to be who you are all the time, every time, because I am going to take you out of destruction, and I'm going to put you into a place of safety and now it's not going to be you they're looking at. It's going to be me. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And now the life that I live in the flesh is in faith in the one who loves me and gave himself for me. You can doubt a lot about the love of God until you look at the cross. And it, it dispels all the myths of God's love. Because there's no, and hell and, hell and all their scheming could not come up with a plan that compared to God's plan. Because hell's agenda is destroy you, and that's all that can come out of hell is destruction. But Jesus, uh, he came to express and show you the love of the Father. He came to give us a life uh, that we have squandered and messed up. But he brings us in and he knows that failure is something that we are bored into uh, and we are subject to fail again. But he doesn't give up and quit. He just keeps putting purpose out there. He keeps putting the ability to be different. He keeps putting the ability to obey. The Holy Spirit comes to bear witness with, with our spirit that we are children of God and that we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ? I'll tell you why my grandkids can tell me to back up when I'm sitting there in the pantry. The baby, I went to kiss her as she's going to go by. She said, Pops, hug. I said, oh, yes, ma'am. Give me a hug. And she says, now go away. <laughs> she's very direct. Very direct. She comes from a long line of directness. <sighs> Give me a hug. Now go away. <laughs> Ask Nora sometimes, my soon-to-be-five-year-old. Nora, can I have a hug? No. Can I have a fist bump? Yeah. Go away. <laughs> Violet, the three-year-old, she's like, oh, hug me. <sighs> Just love that, don't you? I'm sorry, I've got, I've got off track here. What was I talking about? See, <clears throat> grandbabies, they can come and express love to Pops by just punching me right in the gut. They do. I don't know why. It's just like I bring it out in them. <laughs> but you don't have the right to come punch me in the gut. <laughs> no. No. Amen? My children knew growing up they could walk right straight past anybody <clears throat> and go right straight to my office at any time. They know that if, I'm, if I can, in a moment that they call, I'm going to pick the phone up. Why? Because they're mine. They're my children. They're my grandchildren. They belong to me. That's part of their identity. 
You're part of this family. But see, when we enter into the kingdom of God, it's the spirit that cries out, Daddy, Daddy, Abba, Father. That's our identity. <laughs> He's not looking for servants. He's not looking for slaves. He's looking for sons and daughters. <laughs> When, he, when, he, when Jesus Christ came, he didn't give us the ability to be servants and slaves. He gave us the right to become children of God. That's our identity. It doesn't matter what home I grew up in. What matters is what home I'm going to. I'm going to the heavenly home where my God lives. Why do I have entrance into his house? Because I gave him entrance into my house. There is liberation in this room today because there's identification that's in this room today. See, the enemy has <clears throat> he's stolen your identity. He knew it from the beginning, who you belong to. And he said, well, if I can get them off, if I can lead them to failure, they will forsake the presence. It wasn't God's presence hiding from Adam and Eve, it was Adam and Eve hiding from God's presence. And something happens when God steps into the heart. And all of a sudden, when you start to realize it's the your eyes begin to clear. I think a lot of times in the church, you remember the story of the other blind man that came and Jesus spit in the dirt? He didn't do it every time. Just one one off. Not us. We start the dirt dauber ministry. <laughs> God only heals by spitting in the dirt. <laughs> Let's hold on to that one, okay? <laughs> that was a one-off, <laughs> all right? But he, he touches the man's eyes. He said, can you see? I, I, I could see better than I did. That's great. That's progress. What do you see? I see this man as trees. I can't see them clearly. Jesus said, oh, you're good enough. Get out of here. No. He prayed again until he could see clearly. See, don't fault yourself because you can only see partially. Let God complete the work in you. Let God complete the work in you. It's time we stop condemning ourselves because condemnation is not in Christ. So, so now we just, we say, Lord, I, I don't see clear. I'm still acting like a victim because I can't see clearly. Lord, I need some clarity in this. How do you know you're still seeing like a victim? It's because you're still paranoid about people. It's because you don't let people into your world. It's because you, you're living in a place and you're more concerned with how the room is affecting you instead of how you're affecting the room. It's not just a personality, it is a brokenness in your, in your heart and in your spirit. And the brokenness is the breeding ground of the enemy. That's where he wants to abide. And maybe you're, you're in ministry, you're doing ministry, you're reaching people. But let me tell you, there's more that God wants you to reach. There are more individuals. And it's going to come as you realize your identification in Christ. That's where the liberation comes. And the freer you are, the freer you're going to discover people around you will be free. 
because they trust in the fact that you're not putting on, you're not, you're not trying to fake your way to fullness. They see the fullness in you because you have come to the place of surrender. I'm surrendered. It's a journey. It's a journey you get on. It's a journey you stay on. Bartimaeus followed the Lord. He got out of his place. He forsook his identity. He came to the Lord in the faith that God had given him originally. Because of that faith, he was now... It was Bartimaeus' faith in Jesus' completed work. He started crying out, Jesus, Jesus, Son of David. That is a messianic declaration of who Christ is. You are the deliverer we have waited on, we have looked for. You're the one. And Lord, would you make me see? Give me my sight. Now, God heals him. And he didn't go back to his sitting spot. Grace is not the license to go squat in your spot where you came out of. Quit squatting in your spotting. Oh, God, I'm in trouble now. Let's keep going. Don't squat in your spot. That sounds better. Try to add to or take away. Messed it up. The heart of the Father is to bring you to freedom, total freedom, freedom that you walk in, that throw off all the armor of what everybody else thinks you should do and how you should do and how you should be, and you go with what you know, faith in the living God. Come on, worship team, come help me today. Faith. Bartimaeus put his faith in Christ. In that faith in Christ, the Lord said, your faith has sozoed you. Your faith has healed you, made you well, set you free, delivered you out of the old identity, and it's brought you into the safety of a new identity. It doesn't matter that your mama was depressed, and I don't say this in any kind of joking way because I lived in a house of a manic depressant, bipolar, paranoid schizophrenic mother, a suicide father, and generations that had followed. And so that's part of the new identity I had to come out of. And I can tell you, when I came into the kingdom of God, I can take you to Kilgore, Texas, to the very spot. I'm here pastoring our first church and I am a colossal failure in my mind I'd been saved but just a few years and been baptized in the Holy Spirit for a few years I think it was five or less four pastoring our first church clueless clueless I am 
the enemy is bombarding my mind with all my past, my failure, what I can't do, what you, you know, how you should have done that, didn't do that. Man, I just fell into a place where the enemy wanted me to be, and that was just depression. It's like, wow. Just carrying this dark cloud over my mind. I went to the Word. Drove from the office going to the house for lunch. And Andrew had lunch ready for us. I said, Lord, you said in your Word that if I would resist the devil, you said, if I would submit myself therefore unto you, I said, God, I am submitted to you no matter what it looks like. I am submitted. You see my submission to you. I am submitted to you, God. I said the word resist and that depression broke. I couldn't even get to the rest of it out and the devil was already defeated. Just crumbled. I'm like... You want me to finish the verse? <laughs> he already knew it. Thank you. <laughs> See what happened in that moment. I took my identity in Christ and not in myself. I just, I have a sense that God's wanting to break off some stuff today. It's some false identity. I'm not going to belabor this any longer. Would you stand across this room? This message right now, if you, if you want to make an exchange, if you want to make an exchange, I'm not going to ask you what this is. I don't care what level of ministry you're in. It doesn't matter if you're on the stage, you're in the pew, if you're involved, and if you're credentialed with the assemblies of God. It makes me no difference. If you're sitting in the sound booth or you're on the drums, it makes me no difference. Because I've had to do this. As a child of God, hear me. I was holding on to that false identity. I had to let go of that false identity. Now, if you're not a child of God, you can have the power to become the child of God by accepting Jesus Christ. Let him sozo you into that place of deliverance and safety. But once you become a child of God, you have the ability to let go of it. That's not who you are anymore. You have faith in the one who has set you free. And you're tired of living this falsehood. You're ready to go free. Don't wait on anybody else. I want you to come right now. Just line up across this altar. Just line up in this altar and say, I'm making an exchange today. I'm making an exchange today. I'm letting this go because I know God has something else in store. I'm letting this go. You are not blind Bartimaeus anymore. You are seeing Bartimaeus. You, that, that is only a testimony of God's grace. Come on, you have been liberated by a new liberation through a new identification. Come on, come on, come on. Altars are open. Those in the balcony, I'm waiting on you right now. Come on. Come on. We, we got time. Come on. You're going to walk out of here different. I'm making an exchange today. You're like, I'm tired of living like this. I'm going to live a, a new life. I am different in the name of the Lord God.
I am different in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't leave this altar until we have a chance to pray for you. Prayer team, get down here right now. Let's begin.